Hi, and welcome to Adam for Baseball. This is going to be the inaugural episode, and I'm just going to go over some stuff uh, more from a primer point of view, um, things that I find important and that talking with other people over the years, they found important. I've been playing fantasy baseball fantasy and fantasy football since 1996. I learned in school from my math teacher. He had an exercise, I think, ultimately for him to have an excuse to look at the sports page. We didn't have, um, we weren't really, we started using the internet actually that year. Um, and so it wasn't like a great spot to get sports stats um, with our dial-up connection at school on Netscape Navigator. So we used the, the form newspaper, and I had to look up how many yards Marshall Falk had for the Indianapolis Colts back then. He wasn't with the Rams yet. And Chris Carter, how many receptions and if he had any touchdowns, how he did. I don't really remember who else we had. Um, but in baseball, then it was, it, it was, I fell in love more with that right away than football, just because I've always loved baseball the most, but, uh, enough of that kind of stuff. I, I, I want to talk about what spring training brings and, and kind of the things that I'm always looking for and what I focus on when I'm getting ready to draft a team. Now, you may be rotisserie, you may be head-to-head, you may be in a dynasty league, you may be in a keeper league, you may be just doing fresh prize leagues, or you're, or you're learning it for the first time. I think these things will always apply, and everybody handles them a little differently, but I think the core um, points are, are pretty much, they remain the same. And I'd be interested to hear if you do have any feedback on, on what you look for when you're starting a season, you can reach out to me, DM me, whatever, um, at Adam for baseball on Twitter. Um, but this is what I look at. I look to find value in players that underachieved in the last season or the past couple seasons. We've had to kind of change how we address that because of the 2020 season and the 2021 season. I think those seasons, for some players, were just throwaway seasons. Some really found a lot of success in that COVID season, the, the first one especially, that shortened one. Um, and it led to some improper expectations going into 2021. And then last year was kind of where I think things went sort of back to normal. We saw normal crowds at the stadiums, um, in some cases, trying to get back to normal. Um, my home team, the Minnesota Twins, they have had a, um, an attendance issue now, and they're looking to remedy that. That whole area, that Minneapolis-St. Paul area, is looking to kind of come back a little bit. But... I think that helped players a lot and it helped bring a lot of normalcy back to what we're seeing in numbers. Now, Nick Castellanos is the example I want to use for someone who underachieved last year, but this year can bring a lot of value. He's on a team now 
with the Phillies where they have Trey Turner as well. They have Bryce Harper who will hopefully be healthy. Um, and even when he wasn't healthy, he was still really good. And if he could have stayed healthy last year, and I mean, he didn't, he wasn't even able to play in the outfield because he couldn't throw the ball, but he still was just unbelievable. They have um, Alec Baum presumably looking to take another step forward. This should take pressure off of Castellanos. He just, I don't know, he looked off. And even when he started to figure it out in the year, it was just singles. And I personally don't mind that, but it, it wasn't what I needed while Bryce Harper was out. So he's a guy that, that I will have on my watch list. And there's obviously others, but just want to touch on one there. Now, we talk about draft. A second point would be drafting established value early. Let's say you're in a 12-team league. You're the eighth pick. You're not going to get a shot at Ronald Acuna. You're not going to get a shot at Trey Turner. You fall into that weird spot where it's like, I don't know, I think right now it's like Kyle Tucker, Vlad Jr., Otani, Freddie Freeman, Juan Soto. And then also that situation where do you want to take the first starter? I personally don't want to take the first starter. And I don't want to um, reach on guys that I that aren't a part of my plan. No, you need to set – you need to – especially if you're going to spend money, if you're doing a prize league, make sure you have some sort of a plan. If you want to shoot from the hip and you're like, I believe my waiver wire abilities, you know, and if it works for you, that's fine. Now, if it doesn't work for you and you, you just don't understand, you feel like you're just getting unlucky with your draft pick spot, I just don't think that's a good enough reason. Have a plan, and if the plan continues to not work, adjust that plan, just like anything else. I, I think anybody can be good at fantasy baseball, even if you don't know the game that well. A lot of people understand trends. They understand numbers. And I've talked to friends of mine that don't know anything about baseball, but they've been able to put together even DFS lineups that really make sense and, and do pretty darn well because there's something in the numbers. Now, if you're just going off of hometown heroes and um, that's one thing that I got away from very early was picking Minnesota twins players. Yes. I know more about them than most of the other players in the league, but I feel like I'm going to reach on them. Or they're just going to, I'm going to be willing to start them when I shouldn't. And I think it just can be dangerous if you have emotional attachments to certain players. Now that can also lead to you stealing some guys and really, you know, you saw something in a, in someone that no one else saw. Like I got that with Michael Kadire back, back in the day. I cut him on probably his best season. And everybody's like, well, what in the world? Michael Kadire, who the heck is that? But he was with a good twin squad. He's protected in the lineup. And uh, Torrey Hunter was playing probably some of his best baseball of his career. And, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, Joe Maurer in his prime. Anyway, drafting, I need to get back to the point. Drafting established value early. 
a guy like Trey Turner comes to mind. If you have the high pick, I'm going to take him over a guy like Ronald Acuna because Trey Turner has a track record that I'm not sure many players right now can boast, especially in the fantasy baseball realm. He just does everything well. He does exactly what you want. You need average, he's got it. Runs, homers, RBIs, stolen bases. He's going to have more at-bats than most players. And now, like I said, he's going to a team that just really, he should do well. And he's going to be in a stadium that's pretty friendly to a guy like him. It's going to be very interesting to see. He could very well be the NL MVP this year. Now, my third one is is tricky because it's hard to know what the point when you reach this point. And my third point is don't reach on pitching. And I think that goes for the whole draft, not just at the beginning. Now, I turned the corner in fantasy baseball when I stopped being afraid to take starters. I used to really, really, really wait a long time. And then I got to a point where if if I wasn't seeing players that fit, position players that fit what I wanted early, then I will take guys like Verlander. I will take guys like uh, a Garrett Cole or, or personally, I guess, guys like Sandy Alcantara. I, I, I love Sandy. Now this year, I'll be honest, I'm a little scared to, to invest in him early. Um, just something about it. My gut's telling me something. And that's not really one of my points. I don't ever want to say that this is something you should always do, but I'm a gut type guy. I I just believe in the gut, especially if you're a baseball fan. There's certain things that you feel. Sometimes you got to follow them. Now, my gut's got me into more trouble than it's helped, but sometimes you got to know when to listen to maybe your instincts and what you just know about this game that you love and follow. And if it doesn't work out, know that you probably weren't alone and you weren't necessarily wrong. Injuries are the thing that will derail anything good about a hunch and also anything good about calculated risk. Injury is the thing that you can't really prepare for, but obviously there are players like a Byron Buxton that you have to anticipate injury for. You can't think to yourself, Byron's going to give me 150 games. It's just not going to happen. Even if he's healthy, he's not giving you 150 because Rocco Baldelli is a coach that's not going to give him 150. So... Injury is the thing that will, in the end, uh, crumble a lot of things that you thought you knew. And it doesn't mean you don't know them. It just means that they got injured and there's nothing you can do about it. So sometimes I try to stick to things I believed even two years ago because injuries maybe ruined the situation. I can't let it ruin what I know about baseball and what still really is true to me. And I will die on that hill. And I have died on that hill (laughs) in many leagues. Um, Now, the fourth point is um, 
I think becoming more and more popular. It wasn't as big of a deal back in the day because pushing young talent forward quickly wasn't as big of a deal in the majors. It's becoming that way more, and it's going to continue to become that way more with any sort of new collective bargaining agreements they have down the road. I think it'll push young players to get in the league more and be be used more right away. Now, and this is you don't want to miss out on a young player that could potentially be a superstar. You have the good, the good parts of this. You have Julio Rodriguez. Then you have the flip side of it, uh, Spencer Torkelson. You know, Spencer is, I think, still going to be a very good player. He struggled last year, but that whole team struggled. Uh, they had a lot of things that could go wrong. That could go wrong did go wrong. Um, you know, they added Javi Baez, they added Eduardo Rodriguez, they added a few other really nice players. Eduardo had a deal where he just didn't play baseball for a while because he was struggling with stuff. And then uh, Javi really never got going. And I don't really, you know, a lot of times want to trust that Tigers team. Um, not since back in the days when they had Dombrowski as their GM. And not to say the GM there now is bad. It's just, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to, from a from a year-long fantasy perspective, I don't like that Tigers team. So I'm going to really kind of stay away from them, except for maybe someone like Riley Green. Now, on that positive side of things, you have Julio Rodriguez, and he had an unreal year. He had, uh, I believe, 6.2 war. Um, and then he participated in the home run derby. And I think that was one of the biggest mistakes he could have made. I remember not wanting him to participate and being very sad when he eventually did start to have some issues uh, injury-wise after that. And uh, now we can't say that it's totally because of the home run derby, but I want to avoid that injury risk. For a young player, he's playing well, and you also hear about some guys it messes with their swing too. Now that just could be the all-star break in general. That could just be fatigue for a lot of guys, but it, it is a thing that happens. One guy it doesn't seem to affect is Pete Alonso. He just mashes regardless. Um, but Julio Rodriguez is a guy. He's going what third overall, fourth overall right now, I think. Fifth. Right in there. And I mean, I get it. He's the $200 or $200 million man with, I mean, and with incentives, he could be like, I think they said $470 million on that contract. Um, so just about a half a billion dollar man. Um, he's going to potentially be with that Seattle team, you know, into the, 2030s he's a guy that i think a lot of people want on their dynasty team you, you you hope you land a guy like that i get it now i stole him last year very late and when i say stole i mean he got slept on and i waited 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 i knew i wanted him but i think i got him what 13th round which is insane um, 
Yeah, I don't I don't know if you're gonna have something like that happen this year where you you know a guy's gonna be something and you can wait that long to get him. You never know. I mean, if you're in a random draft pool, if you're in a prize league that you're going into it against anonymous players, you don't know how they're gonna draft. You can almost always bank that one player is gonna maybe not know what they're doing exactly, or they're not gonna be paying attention because they're at work or they have kiddos throwing Legos everywhere. So you can kind of get lucky once in a while, but you have to usually be on your ball if you're paying money to play fantasy baseball. Now, I want to outdraft all the other teams just like anyone, but you still have to have that game plan. You still have to know what you want to accomplish. And yes, there's the waiver wire. And yes, there's, you know, trades and... Um, you know, other teams are going to experience injuries and potentially have their whole line, you know, roster blown up in in a second. You know, I had a guy in my league. He had Tatis, Luis, Robert, and I don't know, hit a big pitcher that got injured, and uh, not a whole lot you can do. Like no one knew that was going to happen, and uh, with Luis Robert. And uh, it's just unfortunate. And uh, I don't know. I want to outdraft everybody else, but I also want to have realistic expectations. And when I say, you know, what happened with Luis last year was he had still an all right season, but, you know, 380 at bats isn't going to cut it. Uh, You just, you can't, you, he hasn't had a hundred games in the season yet. You know, people dog Byron Buxton, but, but Luis is having the same thing. And, and, and these guys aren't alone. There are a lot of players that deal with this, these soft tissue injuries. And it just seems to plague a lot of players in the major league baseball right now. And uh, so that's just something to be, be kind of on your guard for you. So you have to have a plan after the draft. You have to have got. You can't just run it and just let it ride. You have 162 game season. You have to be ready to rock, and it's not just 162 games in fantasy baseball. It's even more. I don't know what it is actually total, but it's it's a lot of days of fantasy baseball where you have to be paying attention. Now, the the trendy picks. I, I always get a little wary of if I'm in a position to take and when I say trendy picks, I, I would say someone like a, an O'Neill Cruz. O'Neill Cruz um, has very um, impressive. I, I don't know. You watch him play and you're like, well, this guy's going to be something. And, and I think that whole ball club could be something going forward, but I don't, know if he can even put together a very consistent season this year where I'm going to really love taking him as a top 10 shortstop because right now yeah he's number 10 I believe on Yahoo for shortstops and that's ahead of two guys I want to talk about that's ahead of Dansby Swanson who's ranked number 11 right now and ahead of Carlos Correa who's ranked number 17 at shortstop. Now, Dansby is a guy that I've been using for a while. I really like him. Um, 
He's a great value pick. And this year, I feel like he's going to get a little more attention after last year. And because he's going to the Chicago Whites or Chicago Cubs, and he's playing at Wrigley. So he's going from a, a stadium that has the 22nd highest run factor, and that's Atlanta. That's uh, I don't even know what the name of the park is anymore. It used to be SunTrust. And he's going to the third highest run factor stadium at Wrigley Field. That's a big deal. He had a higher war last year than Julio Rodriguez. He had his uh, career high in steals with 18. He had his lowest walk rate of his career. But, I mean, a 6.4 war, I ain't mad if, if the walks go down. Because if you're doing a traditional scoring league, walks and on-base percentage are usually not a part of that. Now, that stat leads to runs, but that's pretty much it. You have usually for your offensive stats, average, runs, home runs, RBIs, steals. I know there's some leagues that don't do stolen bases. I think it's going to become a little bit more important this year now that they're making the bases bigger. So not only are the bases bigger, but that means then technically there is less space between first and second base now. And that becomes a bigger deal. You might see someone try to steal home more than once in a season. There's little things that are changing that uh, I think are interesting. And also that change in the base size could cause injuries. That's the one thing I'm really worried about. And I don't know why. It's just in my mind, I think to myself, a bigger base, that's just going to people that have played with a certain base size and a certain base distance for so long. Like, I don't know if that's going to bode well, but anyway, back to Dansby. He's a very good player. He's, he played 162 games last year. He played 161 games at shortstop. That's unheard of. That's not a thing that happens. In this day and age, it is not a thing. So you got a guy who almost gave you 700 plate appearances last year. He had 25 home runs. He had a 277 average with a 6.4 war. I like that very much. And for some reason, he's the number 11 shortstop that people are drafting. So who's ahead of him? Trey Turner, Bobby Witt Jr., Bill Bichette, Fernando Tatis Jr., Marcus Semyon, Francisco Lendor, Corey Seager, Xander Bogarts, Tim Anderson, and O'Neill Cruz. Okay. So two of those guys are um, dual position. Bobby Witt Jr. is third base shortstop. Marcus Semyon is second base shortstop. The one to keep an eye on there is Fernando Tatis. He could potentially get outfield um, eligibility because Bob Melvin's talked about playing him out there because they have Xander Bogarts now. So who knows what's going to happen. I don't think he'll lose shortstop eligibility, especially since he has that eligibility right now going to drafts. I just, I don't know, because he could still play it short if Xander needs his day off or play DH. Um, it's something to keep an eye on. Now then, Tim Anderson, O'Neill Cruz, 
I mean, I'm not picking them ahead of Dansby Swanson. Corey Seager. Yeah, I get that. Francisco Lindor. I don't know. That he's a tricky one, man. That's uh that's kind of wild, actually. I, I I don't know. Number six for Francisco. I get it. He's a he's a superstar, really a superstar talent, but I worry about that Mets team this year. Okay. I know that last year there was a lot of hope for them because they were playing so well. They looked like they just didn't have a whole lot of weaknesses. But I don't, I don't know. I think it's a little bit of a down season for him. That's my that's my prediction. Um, Bo Bichette, I'm fine with him at third. He he just needs to be more consistent. Now, don't be fooled by overall numbers. That's another thing. I like guys that are very consistent. Maybe they don't have the big overall numbers, but you need guys to help contribute every week. Now, I had a guy last year in uh, Julio Rodriguez who seemed like he contributed every stinking week. That guy was really unreal. Even when he wasn't playing well right away, when like the strike zone was against him and umpires weren't really giving him a lot of love, he was still finding a way to get on base and then stealing bases. Like he was contributing and every week. That's that's what I want. Dansby Swanson was doing that. Now a guy like Bo Bichette, not necessarily. And um, I also like Tommy Edmond. He's a spot after Dansby. I'm kind of hoping Tommy takes a step forward this year a little bit. That's a very good team. That's also a team, that St. Louis team, that's going to have a lot of guys at the World Baseball Classic. Um, so who knows how they're going to play in April. Um, also, the thing with Dansby I want to mention is he's a career 307 hitter at Wrigley Field. All right, Carlos Correa, he um, plays for my beloved Minnesota Twins. He had a weird year last year. He um, had a very weak July, average-wise. I think he batted about 175. He had an April where he batted, I believe, 243, uh, but only like one homer. I mean, I understand it's colder in Minnesota that time of year, AL Central teams, but this year you got to remember – Every team's playing everybody. The, the whole schedule's changing. It, it's it's going to affect teams differently than I think we've seen in a long time. Because I don't remember when they went to that real heavy divisional schedule. It's been quite a few years now. But it's something to keep an eye on. If you leaned into certain players, like especially pitchers, because they were in a weaker division, I don't know if that still plays as well now. So, for example, a guy um, like Jack Flaherty, I always felt like you could get away with taking him if he had a full season. You're like, oh, he could feast on a bad Cubbies team. If anything, the Pirates and the Reds. And it's not going to be that easy this year. He's not going to get to face those lineups as much. So that is something to keep an eye on. Um Going back to Correa, he still played 136 games last year. Um, the past two seasons, he's had a good amount of games. I think he had like a little over 140 the year before in 2021 with the Astros. 
I know a lot of people were worried about that ankle, but I mean, so far he's been really good and uh, health wise and, and, and they're doing things to manage it and to make sure he stays healthy. Um, 22 homers last year, he batted 291. He had a 467 slugging. These are good numbers and really close to his baselines. And in the case of his average, he was, you know, 12 points above his career average. So one thing, despite those two months, April and July, he was like a 335, 340 hitter the rest of the year. And arguably one of the best hitters in baseball. Now that's sounds a little wild, but watch the tape. And he was very good when he was, you know, getting right and getting familiar with this squad. And he carried the team. And with this team being a little healthier this year, I think I think they could be really good. And I think you're gonna see that too with Dansby. He's gonna come into this Cubs squad that just needs a guy like him. You could see some good things happen over there on the south side of Chicago. Or no, that's the north side, right? Yeah, that's the north side. Sorry. Sorry, Cubs. Um, new trainer in Minnesota. A better trainer. 17th overall shortstop. Don't miss out on Carlos Correa. I think that's all I really want to touch on today. Um, just kind of feeling this out. Trying to work out the kinks. Um Appreciate you listening. If you're still listening, I plan to do this every week. Um, Try to get them out on Sunday nights. Probably try to record right around Sunday night baseball when the regular season hits. Um, If you have any questions, please reach out to me at Adam F O R baseball at at Twitter. So um, thanks for hanging out. Once again, this is Adam. Have a great night.